Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And today we are doing something a little bit different to usual. We have actually made an allowance, which is a very rare occasion on this podcast. We have rules against things like this, against not having the actual physical person in the room with us. But it felt like you were worth it. So I'm very, very, very excited (laughs) to be joined by today's guest, which is, of course, Anger Harrod. Um, Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm absolutely fabulous and very honoured to be here, not in person. (laughs) I think out of 80 episodes, we've only done two guests on Skype. So this is a whole new thing for us to... um, to re-allow, but you are you are worth it. I think that's like a Charles Worthington advert, wasn't it, back in the day? I have no clue. <laughs> it was a hair product, it's fine. Um, so whereabouts are you, for starters? You're not in Ibiza right now. I'm not. I'm normally residing in Ibiza, but right now I am in Montenegro. Mm-hmm. And what took you over there? I wanted to create for a couple of months. So I'm launching a supercharger sexuality program and I wanted to be somewhere with epic views that would spark my creativity and get my juices flowing where I could do loads of breath work and jade egg and just be in my own space every time and really get in my body to create from. So Montenegro it was, randomly. I don't actually know, this is going to make me sound like a proper dimwit, where is Montenegro? Um, it's next to Croatia. It's in between Croatia and Albania. Geography was definitely not my strong point at school, so I'm not going to not gonna feel bad about that. <laughs> next to Portugal. Okay, just so that I can have a vision in my mind's eye of where exactly on this planet you are. And so were you in Ibiza for lockdown? I was in Ibiza for lockdown, yeah. Okay, and how was that? Where were you? It was absolutely incredible. I was at my home and it was really in um, San Augustine, Port Testament area. And it was, it was just what I needed. I'd not been well for a couple of months and kind of, you know, there was this pressure that I should be going out and doing things and I wanted my health to be fully thriving to to be able to go out in the world and lockdown happened and it was just a real gift because all that pressure completely got taken away from me and it was like I could just be and I'm so creative anyway and I've always got so much that kind of I want to do and create and make that the sewing machines were out the paint was out the gardening was being done every single day and yeah it was what else was out (laughs) there was a lot out (laughs) yeah so yeah, no, it was really, really beautiful. I'm, I was so grateful for it. Yeah. Sun's out, guns out. I think, you know, a lot of people felt exactly the same. They didn't realize how stressed, how exhausted, how busy life was um, until obviously things just completely stopped. And I think that's been, you know, a lot of people's experience. Um, but I think it's an interesting one in Ibiza because I guess if you live in an apartment or a high rise or you've got little kids and all of those factors as well, then that's going to be a whole different kettle of fish. But did you have outdoor space and access to sort of 
get into the campo nearby and sneak out for a walk yeah I did have outdoor space and I was figure eight looping running around the garden and I had an exercise bike and all that set up and I was doing it's like two kilometers to the bin there and back and we were allowed to go onto the bin so I was just like it was a fight to who was taking the rubbish every single day I love the fact that people taking the rubbish out was the highlight. It's like normally the one duty that nobody on this planet wants to do. And all of a sudden, I think there was even an Instagram. I think, who was that lady presenter? She created this whole new Instagram thing where she would go out to do the rubbish in England and she would put on the best frock in the world. And she made a real like story out of it every day. And she was like, you know, I can't remember what the hashtag was. It was something like frocks for the frocks for the dustbin or something like that and it was like you know there was even like paparazzi I believe on a couple of occasions waiting for her to see which ball gown she was going to come out in to take the rubbish out brilliant I mean I'd put my best pair of leggings on it was nice to get I only wore two pairs of leggings the whole lockdown I was like oh I'll have a bit of a treat today oh I hope you threw those away Dear God, I would have thought you'd just be running around and romping in your birthday suit for the whole of uh, lockdown yeah it was a bit cold still little bit chilly in February. Oh, that's so nice. But it feels like lockdown, particularly in Ibiza, was a bit of a, an elitist thing in some ways. Because, you know, all of the rich people up in the hills with these great big properties, running around having a wonderful time, able to probably sneak off and see their neighbours if they bunked over the fence of their gates and, you know, from their grounds. I think, you know, everyone had a totally mixed bag here. And it's it's so interesting listening to people's kind of version of of how it was for them so I was just kind of intrigued so you basically got loads of of things done but you also had time to 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 relax and take a chill pill if you weren't feeling well what was um what was going on so I'd been quite sick two years for two years kind of previous to that on and off um I'd had a spell of two years where I was like completely dead flat out, had loads of viruses, bacterias, diseases within my body, was in a wheelchair, couldn't walk, really kind of hit rock bottom um, and had a lot of cancer cells come back in my body again for the third time. So I was really, really had been knocked to the ground for that period and kind of over the lockdown period and, and before that really I was starting to come back to life a little bit. Um, my health was kind of coming back on form. Um, so yeah, lockdown really a- enabled me to kind of get back to myself again because I'd been wiped out and I had like no confidence again. I didn't know what I was kind of doing. My creativity was a bit stumped just because I'd spent so much time being physically kind of on that level of feeling dead. So yeah, it kind of enabled me to spark up everything again and start to feel within my body again, which was uh, just mind-blowing incredible. And it's taken me back to the place of full health again. Beautiful. I mean, it's interesting because I have followed some of your story over the years of, of your, you know, uh, dis-ease, as you, as you rightly put it. We're going to get into some of that in a little while. But I think I was a little bit shocked because the last time I I saw you was when you very kindly invited me to come to one of your breathwork sessions. We were going to do a little swap and you looked amazing, uh, more amazing than ever before because you always look amazing. And I I don't know, you just seemed so vibrant and so happy and just like the session was absolutely mind-blowing. Probably one of the best, I mean, I've done a few, but that was really... Yeah, I went quite deep into that one. We can talk about that as well. But I feel like 
Yeah, I was very surprised to hear you then say that you were leaving the island because you needed to go to Germany to go and work on your health and that you'd taken a bit of a turn for the worse. I was like, oh, no way. I was heartbroken and so sad to hear that piece of news. So how did you kind of get back from that blow? Yeah, that time was really, really hard because I've suffered a lot of times. I've kind of worked out what I need to do to heal naturally now. So I was working a lot with biological medicine in Germany and Switzerland. Um... And, you know, doing all the mental work as well as the emotional work to come through it. But that time was really challenging. I was tired. I was like, oh, don't want to have to deal with this again. And what got me back? So I don't know what got me through. I'm really successful at a lot of things in life. And as my friend said to me the other day, one thing you're not successful at is dying. I've been on death's door so many times. It's just like, you're really dying. <laughs> that friend I think that was that Lydia by any chance so funny that you knew <laughs> she's probably the only person that could get away with saying that to you that's absolutely hilarious <laughs> yeah. I could just see that coming out of her mouth actually she's also been on this podcast so yeah that does not surprise me I love it <laughs> yeah. well I'm so glad that there's one thing in, in life that you fail at thank god that you are still still with us to tell the tale so yeah my soul just seems to come through every single time and i got back to the place where you know i was kind of at that even keel my health was bouncing off but i felt so dead in my body still like i was completely numb shut down like just had no desire or passion or anything like that for life and i was like well what do i do now kind of thing am i allowed to swear on this yeah, I, yeah, why not? <laughs> I will have to put explicit in the uh, iTunes podcast listing, but that's fine. You know, I, no, 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 I have no problem with that. We've had previous guests that have uh, dropped the old F-bomb now and again. If, it, if you feel like it embellishes your point, please feel free. Okay. <laughs> so where was I? So yeah, what got me back into my body? Actually, one of my friends come around and I have been teaching sexuality work for a long time. So I kind of know what I need to do to be able to get back in my body and to ignite that passion and that creativity and aliveness. Yet, you know, sometimes you just kind of don't bring it and do it yourself. And my friend was like, well, why don't you start back with your J-Dig again? Normally, like, you really enjoy doing that. And I just started off with... So the J-Dig is a, a piece of jade that's shaped in an egg that you use to work with your vagina. And I started back with my practice of that just for five minutes kind of every day. And I still wasn't really feeling much to start with. And then after a week, I just started to come back to life again. I started feeling in my body and I was doing a lot of breath work, gentle, small, little snippets of practices. But I was starting to come back home to me again. And oh, I feel like I just want to cry, like talking about this, actually, because I really th thought that was it. Like I was dead. I was gone didn't really know what to do and yeah this work that I'd practiced for so long um really kind of saved me god <clears throat> I'm gonna get choked up as well I've been up since five o'clock this, mo this morning and I've had almost no sleep so take it easy now on the old uh, emotional roller coaster I know this podcast is gonna be I feel like what you just said about coming home and I I really feel that that is what breath work does it's like a gateway isn't it to landing back in your being and feeling back in your body and I think often we're just a little bit scared I think to 
to go there and to really be at home and you know I think a lot of us just walk around a lot of the time very disconnected very uh, living on a very surface level and actually dropping back down into that sensation of being at home in your body and being really in tune with what's going on around you is I think it's quite scary for a lot or I would even go as far as to say most people um and when that happens, it is the most amazing thing. So first of all, thank you for allowing me to get back to that feeling. Um, I think that that session that you delivered was was just epic, really. It was the music. It was the preamble of your story, which I found fascinating, which is why we're having this conversation. And the work that you've actually bothered to take the time and the effort to do to get to where you are now, which I don't think anybody puts as much hard work in as you have ever. <laughs> and that, you know, is just so admirable. I just, I love the fact that you have literally done everything known to man to not go down the traditional roots of anything, really, when you've got a problem, when you feel disconnected, when you've got sick, all of those things, you've never, ever gone, oh, yeah, I'm going to just like go to the doctor and get like a pill for that or, you know, go and have some chemo. No, 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 no. And that's what's amazing. And you've, you, you're winning. You're still winning. So I just hugely hats off to you for starters because it really, it's inspirational to a level where, yeah, it, it, it just really is quite incredible. Um, so I'm very happy you are still here. <laughs> that's something to be kind of grateful for. You must just wake up in the morning and be like, wow, I'm still here. Um, let's go and celebrate in some capacity yeah I do I mean I definitely drift in and out of that for sure um you kind of do get to the space of taking it for granted again sometimes um but yeah I have such a deep appreciation for for everything in life and more than ever for the human beings around me right now um I just kind of feel so deeply touched by humankind um, and that was kind of the main thing that I took away from, from being sick. That was the greatest gift I ever could have had. I'd never really felt that deep sense of love and care before in my life. And being sick, I had to learn to open myself up to receiving, which was really difficult for me to do because my ego was kind of always like, I'm this strong, independent woman. I don't need any help from anyone. I've got my shit together. And then getting sick, I lost my house, my business, my social life, my legs, everything. And I had to open up to receive support. And it was fucking horrible to start with. Like, it was really, really difficult for me to say, I need help. So how did you start that? Because I think that's like such a common thing for everybody, particularly during lockdown. Everyone's gone into dark holes you know, where did you start going, right, I'm going to have to ask, I'm going to have to ask somebody to to support me here? Yeah, I think I was quite fortunate to have people around me who were like, come on, you've got to open up and kind of take support here. But it was me that had to do the work to say yes to that. Um, so it felt really uncomfortable to start with. I had to sit with those feelings of discomfort within my body. That was one thing that really got me through the whole illness, actually, being able to feel and complete the stress cycles that went through. So if I, if there was fear coming up, I'd let myself fully f let my body feel the fear and be in it 
and expel out of my body so that I could then come back into a space of love and into joy. So it was the same with opening up to receiving, like I felt a lot of guilt and it was just like really, really feeling that guilt and tapping into where that guilt had actually come from, which a lot of it was kind of from my childhood and limiting beliefs that I'd grown up with and rewriting my story that now it was okay to receive and that people were willing and that this was unconditional love and it was just energy that was kind of going between everyone and that people actually wanted to help and wanted to support. So yeah, now that has just completely filled my heart so much and yeah, I just have such an appreciation for, for the humans on this earth. I can imagine how that would uh, completely fill up your cup from that perspective of thinking you don't need anybody, you don't need any help, and then basically being flawed and being forced to ask. And I think that's the hardest part, isn't it? And, you know, for me, I've had neck injuries and I've really, really needed somebody to help me go and do my shopping. And it's like, I can't ask someone to go to the shops and get me food. I mean, that... You know, I just, it was awful. And, but, it, but it, you know, I had no choice. I couldn't carry my own bags. You know, and these can, things will come along sometimes that, you know, do exactly that. And there's a lot of us independent women on the island of Ibiza who come here all guns blazing and then something will happen. And eventually you do have to succumb. You do have to surrender and, you know, hold up the white flag and ask for help. And I, I think that that is when you, true friendships and, and true relationships and you kind of really see who those people are that you know are there for you like really really there and that I think is when the magic happens and has totally been my story here for sure so I'm, I'm really yeah that's really beautiful that you say that so let's you know we're going to offer a little something that we're going to talk about at some point during the show that you'd like to give back which is one of the themes of this podcast we haven't actually had somebody on for a while that wants to do that so I'm really really excited about um, announcing that at some point during the show but in terms of you know you, you say you've got into this creative space again in uh, Timbuktu wherever the hell you are in Portugal and, um, and can we can we just go, go back one more step actually I really want to hear the story about the was it a chickpea farmer that you said lives next door and I spoke to you the other day and that was a garbled whatsapp message and I was like did she really say, say chickpea farmer or did I imagine it you imagine that it was chickpea flower man chickpea flower man okay well that's just even more random <laughs> there's no health food here whatsoever it's so difficult to even buy chickpea I'm struggling with the food I have to say if anyone wants to eat healthily don't come to Montenegro and yeah, I was struggling, like I cook so much with chickpea flour. It's like a staple of my diet. So this is like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Chickpea flour is in there as my food and survival. Uh, <laughs> and there's no chickpeas and there's no chickpea flour. So I actually put a post on one of the expat groups and this guy um, was like, I will grind, if you find some chickpeas, I'll grind them for you. So this really beautiful, kind, friendly man came to my rescue and ground the chickpea flour for me. So now I can eat again. <laughs> and he's just been a really beautiful soul. So yeah. What a legend. But I just remember you saying in this message that you thought that he was slightly in love with you. And um, <laughs> it just really amused me greatly. I had this vision, you know, that sort of ep episode of uh, Absolutely Fab when Patsy and um, and whoever her sidekick is go off into the, the mountains in um, in France and they get to that old chateau and then everything they need 
and want is like basically not there there's like all this like you know crusty old wine I don't know why I just had that kind of image you being a bit helpless stuck in a house in the middle of nowhere with no chickpeas for love nor money I was just like really intrigued by that okay fine I'm glad we cleared that up so now we've got chickpeas and you're all sorted for food that's good and so you're getting into your creative juices and you went there to create a workshop for um to help people um through your exploration which has been quite immense um, in, in the ways that you've gone into this um whole angle of uh, needing to get to the bottom i guess of a few personal issues but then through that journey you've then decided to share and i think it's really beautiful what you're offering i unfortunately can't join this course because it's happening next week um, and it sounds amazing and we're gonna give a space away or you are um, but I think tell us a little bit about how this kind of exploration into your own sexuality began what was the kind of point where you said right I want to go because I, I remember seeing on Facebook something about you were off in India maybe going to some tantra festival and please tell us tell us the story because I'm fascinated so I've been to a lot of very weird random um, sexuality workshops all over the world some of them have been very uncomfortable, some of them have been incredible, but yeah, I've really kind of thrown myself in there at all angles. But it started, um, I suffered a lot of sexual abuse from my stepfather between the ages of seven and 10 years old. And I kind of didn't really realize what happened to me. It was always our secret, and I didn't realize what happened until I was 12, when I kind of went to high school and started to realize what sex was. And then I realized, oh, that was wrong, that wasn't right. And I had a really, really tough time in my teenage years trying to deal with the emotions of that. I didn't have any emotional support um, and really turned into quite a fucked up teenager. Um, I was very, very lost. Sex and love didn't go together for me. I always thought that sex was for a guy's pleasure and that I should pleasure him. And I went on to kind of experiencing, it was really difficult for me to have connections in relationships with women as well, actually. Um, and I went on and I like always used to suffer with pain during sex. I'd have chronic cystitis after I'd have sex. And then I'd go and have sex again to please a man when I was in that much pain. So just, I had no clue about my sexuality at all. And I'd always kind of just put up with it and got on with it. Anyway, I then, I was very successful with several businesses, very much in my head. And I remember getting to a point where I sat in Thailand one day and I was like, you know what? I need to really switch my head off and learn to meditate. And I never meditated in my life. The next thing I knew I was in a 10 day silent Vipassana meditation retreat, lying on a bamboo mat every night with scorpions and steaks and all the rest of it. <laughs> and gruel and no food every single day um but that really brought me to this place of complete complete stillness and zen within my whole body mind and soul and um i actually came out of that and couldn't deal with everyday society it had wiped out everything of me i was i was just left at the kind of like this baseline everything that i thought i believed in and knew and wanted to strive towards completely gone vanished um and it was quite difficult to be in that space of just having no identity at all and i ended up going back in and spending another three months in silence um i, I could definitely be a nun I, I would quite enjoy it <laughs> come on i don't 
I don't believe a word of it. A nun? You? <laughs> if you had a personality transplant, maybe. That could be arranged. Well, not now. Not with the sex bit, man. Not now I've learned what I've learned. <laughs> so, yeah, then I came out of that and... I saw this Tantra workshop advertised and I was kind of like, oh, I've always kind of been intrigued and interested and I went along, scared shitless, like what on earth is gonna happen in here? Really, really nervous, but pushed myself to go and actually it was a really safe environment and space for me to be held in. And it was, it was bizarre to start with. I was like, oh, these people are kind of talking about sexuality being this sacred thing. And that was not something I had ever been made aware of before and it really opened me up to realizing that I could actually shift my narrative around my sexuality and I started to go deeper deeper within my body have more connection to myself got out of my head and was like really intrigued to to explore more so I went and did various trainings here there and everywhere and ended up in India and was at a Tantra teacher training there um, and that's when I discovered I've heard some great stories about those ones out there. I cannot wait for this, please. It wasn't in Arambol, was it? In the north of Goa? No. So my experience with this, it, it was it was great. The teachings were incredible. Um, what went on outside of the teaching space wasn't kind of so ethical and incredible. And But that's where I discovered breathwork. So I was doing a lot of deep breathwork one day and all the trauma from my childhood from my stepdad started rising and rising to the surface and like rippling out throughout my body. It was a very, very deep, heavy, intense experience. And I wasn't held in a very safe space. So I kind of was re-traumatized through doing that. But it, I, I did take away the depth of what the work could do and I was still intrigued to go further and learn and do more and that's when I kind of went on to become a breathwork practitioner um, and I realized the power of Tantra, of Taoism, of breathwork and the power that that can have in really getting deep down into the core of our beings to really help set us free and rewire into this new narrative of how sacred our sexuality can actually be. Can I ask you, I mean, I think it is such a breakthrough and a powerful tool and it is quite ridiculous that really just the simple act of breathing can, you know, smash down some seriously big barriers into things that we've locked away, emotions, trauma, you know, I don't, the science of it is, is quite crazy in terms of, you know, to simply inhale and exhale kind, kind of repetitively without breaking between the two and to the point where you kind of tap into something that is, well, you didn't even know was there perhaps and that is just kind of mad. It is absolutely mad that that can happen and I guess that's what you experience and what, how, does that, how does that work? So basically we have so many trapped down traumas and emotions stuck within the body. So when you have a traumatic event happen, if you don't complete that stress cycle, so if you go into freeze mode or if you're kind of flighting off from it and you don't complete that cycle, that stays lodged within the body. And it can also be from several events. So it can be, you know, it can be simple as being in, you know, a verbally abusive relationship where you're being spoken to a certain way over and over again and these small stresses can actually create trauma 
and then that can kind of be locked down in the system and it can be as you say that we're not aware of it and people often have a lot of memories arise from the past they didn't know they were holding on to um, so by oxygenating the body at that level if you're held in a really safe supported space and kind of use movement and sound as well to activate those areas those shocks start to come out and those things start to release and unravel and it can be that some people don't even know or have a story to what's gone on during their session and some people they get very vivid images um, but I think one thing that I have found doing this work that is so important to rewire your body into a space of how you desire it to be so you're not just leaving yourself empty you're then using the breath to fill back up with the desired state of being amazing I think that's important to mention that you don't just kind of set people off in this like crazy wild panicked traumatized you know I really felt very very held during your sessions but and 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 something massive like massive happened for me during that session and I was yeah you know very you know triggered with the hands and the kind of the strange reactions within my body that I hadn't actually had in any of my previous breathwork sessions I think I actually almost nodded off towards the end of it it was just so intense I don't think I could actually handle anymore my body was just like see you later Um, but I felt like I was almost like lying there just sort of tripping really for the rest of it almost like stuck and almost thinking that I should be breathing but I couldn't breathe anymore but I was still in the same state that I'd reached through the work I'd done to get there it was kind of blissful and just bizarre but really amazing and I you know I felt like I released a lot but I, I would like to say that the very first time that I decided maybe five years ago that I wanted to do a breathwork session was in India and there was a guy there that everyone had had a session with and it's you know one of those typical goer scenarios where it's like yeah just pop over to my place and we'll just do it on my bed and none of that is that a good idea none of that came up for me I was just like yeah let's do that so he popped over and actually I'd been in India with this neck problem like really trying to like sort it out in various different ways um and he came around and I'd had a really quite traumatizing four months there like with this intense and chronic pain that I just could not get to the bottom of and he came around the last night and I was like do I really want to leave India everyone said don't do it he will basically just like you know rip apart whatever it is that needs to be unraveled and might not leave you in the best of states to return back to England and I was like no no I'm doing it so of course he came over and I think we must have you know gone into the session for at least two and a half hours it felt for me like about 10 minutes I'm sure he was bored out of his mind just watching me but I must say it was like the most amazing thing and I was so happy and so euphoric during most of it and it just left me in a state where I was like everything I need is right here inside of me there's not one external thing that I need to help sort this out it's just it's gonna happen and I left with this really strong amazing belief that everything that I needed was right there in front of me and it was the most beautiful way to leave India after four months of not a very nice time to think that I was never going to sort this you know problem out and actually I would say that was step one to really realizing it was all attainable and I'd really told myself it was impossible it was never going to happen I was going to be in agony forever and it's just incredible the stories you tell yourself and that just one breathwork session just put all of that to bed and it was like don't be so ridiculous you're a human being and you know you've got all the answers you just need to like you have done work quite hard to figure out what the answer is and you know it is always in front of us it's just yeah it just takes a little bit of time and patience I think to 
to get to the root of of what these problems are and I think chronic pain is a fascinating one because I think a lot of that is it's not in your head but I think you know when you're really stressed or you're depressed or you're anxious you know your ability to cope with chronic pain reduces greatly and that's what I started to realize was that I was just really really run down and smashing work and smashing everything else and as soon as I took a bit of a rest and started to relax and gave myself all the things that you had during lockdown my immune you know my ability to deal with that pain just became a lot higher so I don't know it's just so 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 unbelievably amazing that you know the work that you're doing and I think obviously you know you've been through various different phases of it for various different things but people must come to you with all kinds of of situations and scenarios that they want to dive into so that's quite brave of you to sort of take on this responsibility because I'm sure stuff comes up and you're like how do you even deal with someone who's completely losing it and it must be in fact in that session that I I went to there was a lady I'm not obviously you know I'm sure it's a confidential (laughs) scenario but it you know she was really really suffering and going through it I think she'd had a lot of death in her family it was really yeah how did you how you dealt with it beautifully and perfectly but I was like oh my god I wouldn't know what to do if I was in your shoes yeah I think you know I'm not fearful of anything with in terms of that um nothing scares me um I feel like your body only releases as much as it's capable of holding and releasing so if something big does come out I truly believe that that time is the time for it to be there um and it's just making people feel really safe and making sure that they can come home to this place of resource and bringing them back into a state of peace so yeah I've seen that much as you say like I have that many different scenarios and people come to me and things that happens that you know nothing nothing phases me it's life yeah but I think that's what people want when you go into somebody's home they need to know that if you know shit gets real that you're going to be there and you're going to hold their hand and not leave them and be competent and able to yeah to deal with it and and that's amazing but I think because of everything you've been through exactly yeah that you do have a lot of tools on board that um the rest of us mere mortals (laughs) don't (laughs) and we're still working really hard to get there so tell us a bit more about your your journey because obviously yeah you got the breath work and then you wanted to dive deeper and god only knows what else happened to you in India on that tantra course I can only imagine the mind boggles um I think one of the best stories I heard actually from a neighbor who went on a course like that there was he said um you know you partnered up with somebody and you were that person's partner for the rest of the week it was just a week retreat it wasn't like a teacher training but then this girl was like really hot I mean he was an attractive guy but you know this girl he said to me it was like Russian supermodel kind of thing and then basically one day they were you know they were asked to remove their clothes and then one of them had to witness the other one dancing in front of them I mean that sounds ridiculous in this scenario but I can imagine in Goa you know if everything if they'd been together for quite a few days I just, I, I said to him, God, that would have been my absolute worst nightmare. And I was like, how did you feel? And he was like, well, I struggled to not get a serious boner when she was like dancing in front of me, which would have been highly inappropriate. She's absolutely dropped dead gorgeous. And there she is. And he was like, it was just really, really hard. Um, so yeah, that was quite a funny story. And I said, well, how did you, you know, how did you get on with dancing for her? And he was like, oh God, it was just the most embarrassing, uncomfortable, 
weird experience but you know that's what all of that is about isn't it it's like you know understanding those feelings and how that weirdness comes up for you in those scenarios so being able to push yourself into that space I mean I've done that kind of it's quite a tantra ritual that is and I've been in many 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 workshops where I've, I've done that but yeah but it really does push you yeah and there are also some people that are in that space that you know the ones that walk out I'm like great you've really honored your boundaries you know how far you can go right now so it it pushes you in two ways one to either get on and do it and get rid of that kind of shame around it and to build your confidence or to build your confidence and being able to say no this isn't for me right now I'm gonna leave the room boundaries they are everything but I yeah that would have been the the deal breaker for me I'd have been out of there (laughs) sharpish So after your Indian experience, what was what was the next step for you? How did you? I mean, this yoni egg or the, sorry jade egg that you've explained sounds like a, another interesting tool that you've obviously used to access sensation. Yeah. So I feel like the jade egg is actually from um, a Chinese ancient tradition called Taoism, and um, I feel like it's a really really tangible tool for women to use to connect back with their bodies. And it's great for healing pain. We've got so much trauma locked down in our vaginas, whether we're aware or conscious of it or not. I I don't think I've ever met a woman that hasn't got something locked in there. Um, Even me still now, there'll still be times when I'll go in and I'll be like, oh, okay, what was that there? Um, So it really helps to heal a lot of sexual issues. It really helps to build sensation up in the body again. And when that sensation comes back and when you're using the breath work as well with it, you can start to feel like more turned on, more alive again, more in your body, that sense of coming home that we were talking about before. And women just start to kind of elude this sense of confidence and magnetism in their lives. And it's just, you know the sexual side of it is a very small side of it and i kind of truly believe that being sexually alive and thriving then projects into the rest of your life so if you see someone that's kind of shut down sexually and suffering in a lot of pain you often see that other areas of their lives are shut down as well and as soon as women start to step back into their sexual goddess and their sexual energy it's like everything else kind of is a roll-on effect from that so so how did you find the jade egg who introduced you to that i found it in the north of thailand in a workshop um which oh god that's another hilarious story for another time probably. tell us <laughs> we've got time <laughs> uh, okay so we went to i took my ex-boyfriend to a tantra uh, to a Taoism workshop in the north of thailand And it was actually really, really good, but there was us and another couple doing the workshop and the other couple, they were talking about non-ejaculation for guys and the other couple couldn't get their heads around that. So they kind of left as soon as that topic came up. Um, It was kind of too much for them to go there. Um, And there was this guy, I probably shouldn't mention any names anyway, there was the guy that was running it and he was teaching how to do, how to strengthen the penis. So... 
like using weights and tying weights and doing different exercises to kind of control yourself so that you're not ejaculating every time so you can go on longer while you're making love and it keeps that powering with guys as well so you know normally if a guy ejaculates it's like roll over tired game over whereas if you're actually holding that in you're retaining so much more aliveness and power but anyway he comes out two five kilo dumbbells so he does his lifts every single day with his five kilo dumbbells, yeah. Stop. I don't believe you. That's... <laughs> wow. Five kilo. Stop it. With their string around it. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> wow. That's quite unbelievable. And this is what he practices with. Intriguing. And, and what was... Did you actually get to see his... Um... Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get to see what the effect of that was on his actual person. No. Okay, interesting. So what did um, your ex-partner have? Well, maybe we shouldn't go into that. That's a bit private. <laughs> did he partake? <laughs> Not with the five kilo dumbbells, no. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> he still got his penis. That's good. It's still attached to his person. He didn't have to have it chopped off after uh, multiple injuries. <laughs> Bless him. Interesting. Okay, fine. So that's how you found out about the eggs up there. Um, so yeah, that was kind of up there, how I found out about the eggs. And then I, I just had this sense, oh, actually, rewinding a little bit, I realized that I still had sexual trauma in me a little bit because um, I was renting a room for a week or something when I first I moved to Mallorca for a little bit. And the guy who was in the room next door came into my room at night and tried to come and try it on with me. And yeah, I realized then I was kind of still holding on to that fear of another guy. And I was like, okay, I've got more healing to do. So I went and did more work with the egg at that point. And then I was like, I want to teach this stuff. Women need to know. And I really felt it important to bring these practices, these ancient practices, this knowledge in a way that was manageable for the everyday modern woman. So for me, lang the languaging was quite esoteric in quite a lot of these things. And when I first went in, I didn't have a clue what anyone was kind of on about. I needed it to be more kind of straightforward layman's terms. And yeah, I just really wanted to make that accessible. For, for everyone else in the power of the work that no one has to go and be in some weird tantra workshop for 10 days and be traumatized but can do it in the comfort of their own homes <laughs> excellent so if anybody wanted to take this course you have to buy a jade egg is that correct yeah you get the jade egg with the so the one that i'm running next week i'm doing a, um, a three-day retreat online to give everyone just a chance to kind of get out their heads and in their bodies again and then in September, I'm actually launching a 12-week Supercharge Your Sexuality Jade Egg and Breathwork um, course, program. So what's actually on the course and who's, who would you say it's for? Any woman who has this sense that there is more to be had from her sexuality and life. So many women come to me who have kind of like lost sexual desire, having pain during sex. And a lot of women just kind of like, oh, maybe this is just, just how it is. But the ones that are like, no, I want more. I know there's more and I want to heal and I want to step into that place of thriving. They're the women that I desire to have who really want to get into that space of being embodied, being alive, feeling, riding the waves of all the emotions that we go through. So, yeah. 
Wow. I think that this will be particularly powerful after lockdown. And I, I don't want to go too far into the darkness on this podcast, but I believe that domestic abuse and a lot of uh, violence in the home scenario were, you know, really at an all time high during those sort of three or four months. And I think that this course could be a really powerful step forward for anybody that has experienced something like that. And of course, the course is, you know, as you said, open to people that also just want to open themselves to other possibilities and explore and just feel at home in their bodies. But um, I think, you know, anybody that wants to get in touch with us to to take part in that and it's so it's breath work we're just gonna with the retreat with, with the three-day retreat next week we're just kind of doing breath work and a lot of inquiry work and then people who want to take the course will um get a jade egg sent out to them as well yeah amazing and how much does the egg cost the egg is about 65 pounds okay so it's actually what's what is you know it sounds so ridiculous but jade is like that what what is that exactly so jade's the best thing to use in my experience because it's a really strong stone it's kind of like steel so if you drop it on the floor it's not going to smash or crack or anything like that um people kind of use rose quartz and things like that sometimes which is okay but it's more porous so yeah i recommend to use the jade because of the consistency of the stone and it's very healing as well yeah and did, did you want to sort of go any deeper into your story about how you feel maybe your past has affected your kind of, you know, the cancer that kind of came up? What was the first sign of the cancer that you actually um, experienced when it's about five years ago, I believe you left the island? So I was actually 19. So, oh, God, I'm trying to work that out now. I'm 33 now. Um so yeah, I was 18, 19 when I first had cancer. I was actually in Ibiza. Was I the first time? Yeah, I'd come to Ibiza to kind of do a summer season and I had a big lump sticking out the side of my head. And I kept going to the doctors, didn't feel well, I was completely run down, couldn't move off the sofa, couldn't function. And they just kept telling me it's an interesting lump, don't worry about it. Anyway, eventually I paid to go privately and they took a biopsy and they're like, straight away, it's cancer, you need to kind of have this removed. And... I was 18, 19 at the time, and I was like, I was going to have cleft palate face, so they were going to lose all the nerves to my face, and I was like, I don't, I don't want that, I don't want to lose my taste, I don't want to lose my smell, I don't want to lose my sight in one eye, and I didn't, I was very vain at the time and didn't want to lose my looks. So I said no, and they, uh, <laughs> there were there were five surgeons in front of me. Like you've got to have this operation tomorrow, and I was like no. And I ended up going to Mexico on holiday just to kind of relax for a couple of weeks. And I came back, and the tumor had actually shrank by like 0.1 centimeters. And I was like, I'm just going to leave it. And I left it, and it went away. Uh, the area that it was actually in was an area that's related to keeping secrets. Um, so, you know, I kind of really realize now that that was related to my childhood trauma and I hadn't processed what had happened to me. I didn't know how to process what had happened to me. And I truly believe that that trauma caused that disease within my body. And this was on the side of your head, whereabouts? And it was like the size of a golf ball in in front of my earlobe so it's the parotid gland and it just went away when you relaxed it just went away that time and then six months later I suffered really bad depression I think there was so much pressure to oh be happy and healthy after cancer and oh it's gone great and I just hit this huge slump of depression and six months later I got another lump in my arm and went back they misdiagnosed me 
scanned the wrong part of my body, told me it was nothing to worry about, and it grew and grew and grew. And again, it was the same kind of symptoms of being completely fatigued, you know, energy. And when I finally, finally, finally got diagnosed, it was a tumor within my arm that spread to all my lymph glands and across to my lungs. And then they told me I'd got six months to live. And it was a secondary tumor. They never found the primary tumor. So yeah, that was that was quite traumatic and I didn't want to have chemotherapy. I would have had nine months with chemo and all I wanted to do was just go away and travel. And I had no money at all, which is always the cost of being sick. <laughs> that always comes with it, it seems to. And I'd really fortunately fell out of a hot air balloon in Ibiza six months previously and put a claim in. <laughs> for insurance and got a nine and a half grand claim come through the week after I got told I've got six months to live so I packed a suitcase they told me I'd never lift my arm um above my shoulder again and I packed a suitcase I had Louise Hayes you can heal your life that was the first self-help book I ever got and I got a one-way ticket to Vietnam and I just really settled into the fact that I was just prepared for death really and just joy, enjoying every single last day and what really touched my heart was being in this community of people in Vietnam and seeing the warmth and kindness and generosity and the simplicity of their lives and that family community spirit they had between them just really kind of lit me up and I got to the end of Vietnam and I was like oh I'm still alive I'll go to Cambodia. And I went to the end of Cambodia and I was like, hmm, still alive, I'll go to Thailand. And then, yeah, six months later, I was still alive. And I was like, fuck, I've spent all my money. <laughs> now what? <laughs> but yeah, just settling my mind and being at peace with what was. I'm just, I'm just absolutely gobsmacked that all of this has happened to you. And every time you're like, okay, I'm just off traveling and I'm just going to see what happens. I'm not going to have that operation that's probably going to save my life. I'm just going to see what happens, at, you know, if I just don't bother. I mean, who does that? Nobody I know, literally nobody I know. And, I, and, and that's what I've loved about these conversations with you in the past. And I think you've got some big balls there, girl. And that is like highly commendable. <laughs> You've got some big eggs. <laughs> I don't want to see the size of those eggs yet. I'm kind of sort of slightly scared to even think about the prospect of inserting one. But um, it does intrigue me enormously. But I just, you know, as I said at the beginning of all of this, it's, it's just the fact that you haven't given in and you've kind of gone your own way and, you know, very courageously turned down the, you know, generous offers of all these doctors to give you all these things that you didn't want and you're just a strong person who knows or believes and has you know the ability to trust that you can heal yourself and I think that's really beautiful and um thank god for Louise Hayes I think she's actually not actually with us anymore is she I'm pretty sure I heard that sad news not that long ago actually well done you I say and um I think it's amazing what you've achieved it is absolutely epic and um if anyone would send um an email to just the good news please at gmail.com which is the email address of the podcast we'd obviously love to hear what it is you know just in one line what it is that you would like to work on to take um anger harrod up on this course and i think that would just be a really beautiful journey for somebody that you know wants to get a little bit deeper um into uncovering and exploring i mean that's what all of this is about isn't it i mean people don't 
ever I think have enough playtime in this lifetime and our, our bodies are literally and can be a playground and I think we're just not encouraged enough as women particularly to yeah see sex as a, a pleasurable experience and it's more sometimes you know a, a functionality of a relationship and a and a given that people are expected to perform you know their half of the duty and I, I just you know I think it's sad when it gets like that I mean I've never really been in that position but I speak to a lot of friends and people that are married and yeah people that are in long long long-term relationships it's you know people aren't really that bothered it just feels like something that they kind of have to do and I think that that's yeah really sad when it gets to that point and I think there's always ways to reverse that feeling and sensation and and bring the fun back into the bedroom and bring the playtime back and it's never too late you know that's what this great course can probably hopefully offer is maybe that someone's lost that kind of you know excitement in that department might well be able to refire that up again what's the one thing that you maybe go to when you're just not feeling that sexy if you're like right this is just not you know this is not where I want to be feeling this way today because you've got a hot date lined up or something like that what's the number one thing that you would suggest that somebody can reset themselves with for me it's the jade egg um, but if you haven't got a jade egg, just really connecting with your pussy and breathing deeply down into your pussy and kind of bringing her alive again. So just really getting back into the sensations of your body. Okay, well, I really, yeah, I'm really, really thankful that you managed to join us for Montenegro. Um, and what's your website so that we can go and check out the rest of your work? www.angharadowen.com so it's A-N-G-H-A-R-A-D O-W-E-N.com and I'm just sorry I've got I've got a private Facebook group for women as well called Supercharge Your Sexuality which is an incredible yeah which is an incredible space with loads of tools tips information we have Sunday night story night um, yeah there's loads going on in there so Please look after yourself this time because you are definitely number one priority. And um, yeah, we want you to stay stay with us. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I hope to see you very, very soon. Thank you for having me. Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. to you every day.